the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Back on this uh, Thursday morning, the 17th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Cops are killing themselves at a very, very alarming rate. We talked about this a little bit in hour number one. At least 160 police officers took their own lives in 2018. That's more than the number of officers who died while on the job, according to Blue Help. And by the by, uh, they're getting killed on the job at an extraordinarily high rate as well. As we know, traffic stops uh, gone bad, uh, ambushes, uh, police officers responding to domestic calls, all kinds of different things, and police officers are getting killed at a terrible rate. And now they are taking their own lives as well. Is there a reason for that? Is there something that can be done to try to limit that? That's why we turn to our friend Dr. Ron Martinelli. Back on the program, Dr. Ron has not been here for a little while. It is so good to have him back on. Dr. Ron is a forensic criminologist. He is also the only police expert in the country who's a certified medical investigator at the physician's level. And he is also a former police detective himself. You can read his work at drronmartinelli.com. Dr. Ron, good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you? Well, thanks, Bob. It's great to hear from you. You know, uh, I was in Cleveland a couple of months ago when it was snowing on on another assignment, and and fortunately, I didn't have enough time uh, to get together with you, but it sure is fun to get together with you today. Absolutely, and uh, next time we'll have to make sure that we do that. And uh, although, of course, the subject matter that we're discussing today is not uh, nearly as much fun as we're talking about police officers and the suicide rate uh, 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 kind of rising to a level where it's more than just alarming. And you've got a theory, uh, or maybe uh, several theories, Dr. Ron, as to why cops are killing themselves even faster than the uh, criminal element that they deal with are killing them. Yeah, Bob, and, and thanks so much for, for bringing me on. Uh, you know, I do suicide risk assessments, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, all over the country, and especially with officer-involved shootings where we have suicide by cops, now we're dealing with the suicide of cops. And, uh, you know, the same things that, that cause, uh, you know, people who are not involved in law enforcement or as first responders, which also includes, you know, firefighting uh, personnel, the same things that uh, create uh, suicidal ideations and depressions uh, with with the normal citizenry, uh, you know, affects police officers and first responders, but, you know, also much more uh, because they're in the trenches. And, it, and if people really think about it for a minute, you know, today when we take a look at, uh, you know, our theaters of war, specifically in the Middle East, and the stress that our, that our soldiers, sailors, and Marines are under uh, on, on the battlefield, uh, that has changed a lot. And you see that they, they get PTSD. Well, now what we're finding out uh, is, is that our law enforcement personnel are suffering the same thing. Because they really are in the trenches. And if you take a look at uh, this year is, is an excellent example. Uh, just with the police officers being murdered, we are at a 75%. You know, we're, we're only in the first three weeks of, of 2019, we're already 
at a 300% increase in officers being murdered by firearms uh, over this same time last year and a 75% increase of, of officers uh, being killed by other people. So when you take a look at that and then you take a look at uh, how the mainstream media and groups that you and I have talked about for for long time since we've had our relationship, Black Lives Matter, and uh, just the, the false narratives out there about the law enforcement community, this really affects our police officers, not to mention, uh, you know, them responding to active shooters and seeing the carnage of that. It gets to you. And this is what we're seeing, the Ferguson effect. All of these things are just hitting these officers in the face left and right. Dr. Ron Martinelli is our guest. He mentioned Black Lives Matter. Dr. Ron wrote a book a couple of years ago called How the uh, the Truth Behind the Black Lives Matter uh, Movement and and the War on Police. Uh, and it's a good read. It's something you should definitely check out on his website, which is drronmartinelli.com. Um, you talked about PTSD that uh, cops, you know, we, we hear that all the time. And obviously for for valid reasons, when we're talking about our soldiers who return from battle, uh, uh, you know, from battle and from from war zones and hotspots around the globe and uh, how they have, you know, years and years of stress. And it leads to so many of them to taking their lives. We don't hear about it as much with police officers. And, and well, you know, and, you're, go ahead. Go ahead. You're, you're right. Well, well what I was going to ask is. Is, is how prevalent is it among police officers in general? Uh, because, you know, obviously they find themselves in life and death situations where they have to make some really, really hard decisions that can come back and, and haunt them in, in, in PTSD form in some ways. First of all, in general, Dr. Ron, how prevalent is it? And second of all, is it on the uptick now because of what you just mentioned? Some of the things that we have seen in terms of the way police officers are treated by the media, by liberal politicians, and those who believe that cops are the bad guys. Yeah, you know, Bob, thank you for asking those two questions. They're they're both very good questions. Uh, The answer to both is yes. We are seeing an upsurge in in officers uh, committing suicide, uh, and it is because the the stressors of law enforcement have risen exponentially. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, there's There's an article in the Star today, which is actually, I believe, a Canadian newspaper, where Ontario's chief coroner is launching an expert review panel uh, to take a look at the, the suicides of nine Canadian officers in, in 2018. And so, you know, and, and of course, the Canadian structure of law enforcement is not too far away from ours. And when you take a look at the American Psychological Association and, and the, the different law enforcement organizations, we are taking a serious look at our police suicides. And of course, if you just talk about suicides throughout the nation, uh, it is it is absolutely a growing phenomenon. And over 400% of uh, the, the men that commit suicides, 400% of of, of those are committed by the use of a handgun, and so far when we take a look at the suicides by police officers, because that, that's a readily available uh, tool to them, uh, that, that's how they kill themselves. And they, even though there may be support groups, you know, whether you're a male or a female police officer, it's kind of a moxie job, and, uh, and they don't reach out 
you know, to their support groups. Like, you know, here's, you know, I'm, I'm a great example. I've had a variety of very dangerous assignments. I had an assignment for three and a half years where I was a robbery decoy, and my, my job was to go out and get robbed 10 to 15 times a night in San Jose's most violent neighborhoods. I never discussed that work with my parents. You know, can you imagine if my parents knew I was no. doing that, you know, four <laughs> nights a week, uh, and every time they rob you, it's with a weapon, okay? And I, and I, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, that w- with my, my first wife at the time, I really didn't discuss much of that work with her, and if you don't think that's a stressful job, you know, you're nuts. And, and so other officers are just like this, and when they take... Uh, you know, abuse from the community, they really don't want to go home. They want to decompress and not discuss those things with with their loved ones or their kids. So it's hard. They internalize that, and it breaks them down bit by bit, and then they feel isolated uh, and, and severely depressed. And before you know it, they spontaneously take their lives. Dr. Ron, um, last thing here. Um, as I... As I watch the number of police murders, now we'll get away from the suicide part of this for a moment. Go go back to the the increase in in police murders. Are we getting desensitized to it? I I, I feel like in my own personal on my own personal show here in Cleveland, um, every time there was a police officer being killed, you know, in the last few years, um, I'm I'm on it and I'm talking about it and I'm expressing my uh, my my you know my concern and my and my outrage that this is going on and we talk about who's to blame and we talk about the anti-cop atmosphere that's been created in this country and and I felt like I was pretty consistent on that but I have found myself in 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 recent months overwhelmed. Uh, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. I got other news I got to talk about, and it doesn't make its way onto the show. And I know I'm not the only one. I feel like it's happening so much. It's almost like it's almost like the mass shootings. You know, it's like oh, there's another one. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers, and we get of course we get into the gun control battle, and the gun nuts want to stop the guns, and the, uh, we're talking about arming uh, people so they're not victimized. But but we 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 don't take the requisite time to express our shock and our horror anymore at mass shootings, or at least many times, and certainly not with police shootings because they're just you know they're they're happening so often, Doctor Ron. It feels like we're desensitized. Well, you know, Bob, that's a very insightful you know, comment. And let me just uh, speculate with you for a second. You're probably like me. You probably stay away from the mainstream media, and and you're probably listening to, uh, you know, realistic and and, and balanced, you know, news like maybe, you know, Fox News or or One American Mm -hmm. News or, you know, some of these uh, news organizations. And they show that they show our police funerals. They cover our police killings. But the mainstream media, you know, the CNNs, the MSNBCs, they really don't do that. And so, uh, and a lot of people watch that programming. And so they don't, they really are not really made aware of it. If people in the United States, for instance, let's just talk about, you know, we're, we're, on, we're on the 17th today, and we've already lost, uh, you know, seven officers that, that, that have, have died at the hands of other people. Okay. Uh, again, a 300% increase in officers being murdered with handguns. Uh, the, 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 the public doesn't hear it the way you do. And by the way, let me just take a moment to compliment you on your amazing, consistent support for law enforcement. Okay. You are always there with us. And as you know, I expert for, uh, you know, this, the cities of uh, Cleveland and Columbus. And I always hear Bob France when I'm there and you're on the radio. 
saying good things. The other thing that people need to know is that law enforcement, they have one of the top three most respected jobs in the United States by, uh, by the public. Okay, and the people that put law enforcement down, the mainstream media and politicians, they're in the two bottom areas of professions. Uh, politicians at 11% and mainstream media at 13%. So that's just, just to let everybody know, the vast majority of people in the United States are extremely supportive and, and respectful of law enforcement. But it's the, the paradigm shift of the media and these groups that get airtime that really causes the Ferguson effect. It just exacerbates that and affects our men and women. You know, that's uh, that's so very important to, to talk about. And, and I have to say, Dr. Ron, while I am flattered by your praise, I feel a little guilty accepting it, like I said, because I have found myself just so overwhelmed by the number of, of shootings and the number of uh, officers who have been, been victimized. I have not paid as much attention to them as I should, or at least publicly so anyway. Uh, and I think that's something we all need to get back to doing. We need to be just as outraged uh, whenever a police officer is shot and killed in the line of duty now, um, you know, as we were two years ago and three years ago and going all the way back yeah. to 2014 when the when the whole Ferguson thing, the Ferguson thing happened. You know, we cannot just let, yeah. well, time's going by now. We don't have to care about cops anymore. Cops are still in just as much danger as ever before, and I hope we all keep that in mind. You know, Bob, what, what scares me, if I can just take one more moment. You know, when I when I wrote that, that book, I couldn't believe how popular it became, you know, the truth behind the, the Black Lives Matter and, and the war on police. I told the people in that book, I gave a complete chronology of how this all started and what is happening with law enforcement and the thing that is unfortunate about that book is it was really uh, a it was really a prophecy type book and i said we would be where we are today in 2016 nothing has changed it's gotten worse just like i said the murders of our police officers have gone up every single year and it's because of the resist movement in the street now people talk about the resist movement with regards to president trump but there has been a concerted effort of of you know uneducation right uninformed people that mm-hmm. believe these false narratives about our law enforcement people and it causes them to resist and this is where we get these homicide with law enforcement officers just uh, just like poor uh, officer uh, you know these poor officers that that have been murdered they just go right up to these officers and, and they shoot them and they kill them yep the, the emboldenment to resist is there uh, and and it's it's indeed um, um it's uh it's advanced it's 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 what's the word i'm looking for it is uh they're emboldened to do this by uh by you know some of the individuals and in, in the way these things are covered still to this day dr ron always so much fun to talk to you although again the subject matter isn't fun today it's just great to catch up with you i'll urge people once again to go to your website drronmartinelli.com consider getting dr ron's book as well the truth behind the black lives matter movement and the war on police and dr ron it's so good to catch up we'll do it again soon great affiliates All right, 1027, short segment here. Let's get a couple of phone calls in before the bottom of the hour news on AM 1420. The answer will start with um, Jay, who's calling from Illyria on AM 1420. The answer. Hi, Jay. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Hey, a perfect example of resist and one that is actually just a revolting expression of it uh, was in Lorain County uh, this week. Uh, city council person Angel Arroyo um, was arrested for domestic violence. 
and the video from the dash cam is is out on YouTube. It's like an hour long, but the first twenty minutes were the officers. Uh, yes, Mister Arroyo, please stop resisting. They were as respectful and courteous and gracious as they could have been, and this guy just wouldn't shut up and get in the car. And as a city council person, anybody out here that sees that video should call and demand that he be removed from that public seat. He doesn't deserve to be sitting there. However they get paid, I don't know what I don't know how that works. But if he's getting even if he's not getting paid, he doesn't represent anybody in the city well, at a, it, it, at a level of responsibility such as that. Yeah, there's two things there. One is the pay. Like you said, clearly he does not deserve to be accepting taxpayer dollars, and I'm sure they will probably move to replace him. But number two, when you, when, you know, and let's be honest with about the city of Lorraine. I'm a Lorraine County resident too. In the city of Lorraine, uh, let's just say it's, it doesn't have a stellar reputation when it comes to, uh, act criminal activity on the streets. Okay. If the, if, True. if the, 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 the constituents in Lorraine see their elected representatives acting in this type of a manner, what in the world kind of a uh, message does that send to them? Even our elected officials don't respect cops. We don't have to listen to cops. We can do what exactly. we want. We we can ignore their their orders. We can argue with them. We can curse them out. We can do this, 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 and this. That's setting an example. And so because of that, he needs to be uh, have an example made of him. He needs to be removed from office, as you said, in addition to being locked totally. up. Totally. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm and, totally and I with you, Jerry. I would urge anyone in that county to go look at the YouTube video. It was just earlier this week. Right. Um, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it and I've read about it, too. There. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just horrendous behavior for a public official, and it perfectly exemplifies exactly what you, you, you two gentlemen were speaking of earlier. Right. Uh, about the, the, the respect for law enforcement is gone. Respect. Yep, it, it and, and, it, that, it, and that leads it, to confrontations that lead to these officers having to do things that, that lead to their PTSD, and then, of course, to their own, you know, the exactly. reason Adam Mon was talking about suicides. Yeah, I got a jet, my friend. I appreciate the call, and you make a very good point, a great follow-up to that. If you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming to you as quickly as I can. We're also going to talk to uh, Nick Stumphauser, a local filmmaker done good, uh, and he's going to continue to try to do good, and I'll tell you more about that as we continue on AM 1420. All right, 1034 now, the Bob France Authority continues. AM 1420, the answer. Got you for 26 more minutes of outstanding awesome. Then we're going to turn, turn it over to Mike Gallagher. Uh, he'll bring you his awesomeness until uh, noon, Prager. And then, of course, uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, Seculo and Elder. Stay here if you're looking for conservative commentary and news without all of the buffoonery you get in other places. This is the only place to be. Thanks again to Dr. Ron Martinelli and uh, to Congressman Jim Jordan, both of whom joined me earlier in the program. I want to pivot a little bit now uh, and talk a little bit more about terrorism. Uh, and this is, I guess, you know, I can make a segue here if I wanted to to something that is currently in the news. And that includes uh, the president continuing to essentially, I guess he's staying with his plans, let's put it that way, to uh, not uh, to uh, remove our troops from Syria and Afghanistan, or at least a significant portion of them, despite the fact that there have been attacks uh, recently, in fact, uh, the withdrawal is still in motion despite four Americans being killed just this week. The commander-in-chief is telling top senators in a private meeting he is not going to radically adjust his plans to draw down U.S. troops in both Syria 
and Afghanistan. All this coming after U.S. Central Command confirmed that four Americans were killed in an explosion in Syria, two U.S. troops, as well as two American civilian defense workers. This coming just days after the administration began the process of withdrawing troops. Republican Rand Paul, though, said he's proud of the president. This president has guts to tell a group of senators, as well as the American people writ large, that the U.S. has been at war in too many places for too long, and that the president is following through on his America First campaign promise. Yeah, Rand Paul is a buffoon when it comes to foreign policy and fighting terrorism. Rand Paul, I stand with Rand on a number of the uh, policies he has um, he has articulated, but uh, I absolutely oppose his isolationist policies. But you, nothing quite says like that ISIS is defeated, like them blowing up uh, uh, four Americans, two military and two uh, uh, contracted personnel. Think about that for a moment. Is ISIS defeated, really? Why are we continuing with this? So that's my segue into terrorism that comes here at home as well. We all know about the terrible San Bernardino shootings. We've talked about this at length uh, just a few short years ago. And uh, about, I don't know, I want to say four or five months ago, we talked with a young filmmaker who comes from Alabama and Michigan, but has ties here to Lorraine, so Northeast Ohio as well. His name is Nick Stumhauser, and he has got a um, uh, a movie out, uh, a short film that he presented in Lorraine just a few short months ago called "How to Fill or Excuse Me How to Kill Fourteen People Without Saying a Word," and it is indeed centered on that San Bernardino terrorist attack. And Nick Stumhauser joins us again on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Nick, good to have you back. How are you, young man? Hey, it's great to be back on your show, and thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm I'm well too. Thanks very much. I wanted to kind of give a little bit of a you know a tie in here to current news, current events, obviously to bring you back on. But you do have an event coming up as well in uh, Columbus, and it's uh, uh, and it's another airing of your movie. Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah. So tonight at, at Hitchcock Hall on uh, Ohio State University's campus here, I'm going to be screening the feature length. Uh, documentary how to kill 14 people without saying a word and i and i do talk about after the after the screening uh, terrorism and, and communism and especially radical islam and that it's it's not defeated so i i'm i am personally a little bit surprised that uh, potus is pulling out of syria yeah, I, I am too, and um, uh, let's talk about that for a minute, and then we'll come back to the film a little bit, because I want people to understand exactly what it is uh, that you've done here with respect to um, how to kill 14 people. Um, the president has been, you know, of course, when he ran for office and when he took over, he said, I'm going to do the opposite of what Barack Obama did. Uh, I am going to knock the hell, I think was the wordy, wording that he used, knock the hell out of ISIS, and I'm going to make sure that ISIS cannot hurt Americans any longer, and it really was what most of us wanted to see, um, you know, kill them over there before they come over here and kill us here. And we have seen enough of that, including, uh, you know, those who uh, follow ISIS's teachings and uh, those of the other radical Muslim extremists like the killers in San Bernardino. And, and he did that. Uh, but now it's like almost on a, on a whim, almost on a whim. He's saying, okay, they're defeated now. We can come home. And it's got the applause of people like uh, Rand Paul who don't want us to be there or anywhere. And it's got a lot of other people like me and apparently like you a little nervous saying, wait a second, why are we stopping a policy that has been effective? We didn't get um, ISIS to the brink of being wiped out by not being there. We did it by being there. Why would we leave before they are completely wiped out? So this is... It, it seems counterintuitive to what the president has started to do, uh, you know, from the get-go. It, it is, and I think because we, you know, don't have control over what he's doing in Syria, what we can do is uh, to undo the the damage caused by uh, Bush and Obama when they said that this has nothing to do with Islam. 
because that has been the, the fertilizer for the bombings and the killings and the shootings that we've seen from radical Islamic terrorists uh, here on American soil. You know, we just had the anniversary of the San Bernardino terrorist attack on, on December 2nd, so uh, not two months ago. Uh, it was the three-year anniversary of the 14 uh, innocent people being murdered um, by their co-workers uh, who pledged allegiance to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the, uh, the ISIS uh, leader. And, and it all starts with being able to speak out the truth of radical Islamic terrorism, and, and that finds its root in freedom of speech and free expression. Nick, uh, remind everybody how you became so involved in this to the point where you wanted to make this feature film because you are obviously studying this very closely. You're 100% right, by the way. You're very young, so you don't have a ton of experience in this sort of thing, but you are obviously studying it very, very closely. Why is this so important to you? How did you become involved? Because I was on Berkeley's campus in 2017 when Antifa marched and burned down uh, Spro Plaza. And so when I witnessed that firsthand uh, with Milo's cohort, uh, filming from the top of Martin Luther King Plaza and uh, and watching them march in, I knew that this went far beyond disagreeing with a conservative speaker. This was an invasion. This was a, a communist invasion and the first strike in any totalitarian agenda is to suppress freedom of speech. And when I began to see the link between what Antifa and by any means necessary was doing along with the fear that the neighbors of the Islamic terrorists had to not say, my neighbors are doing very suspicious things, but I don't want to be called a racist, so I'm not going to say anything. When I saw that connection, that's when I started to put this film together. We're talking to Nick Stumphauser. He is an independent filmmaker whose movie, as he just pointed out, uh, is called How to Kill 14 People Without Saying a Word. Let's go further into that now, uh, as you pointed out. Um, the neighbors of the killers recognized something was amiss back uh, in the months leading up to this uh, killing in 2015, was it? Um, was it December, yes. d- December 2nd, 2015. Um, the neighbors of these individuals knew something was wrong. They knew it didn't smell right. They couldn't figure out why it was that um, these these young men, uh, all very similar in appearance, all mid- Middle Eastern looking, were coming and going at all hours of the day and night. What all of the activity was in the garage late at night, um, it 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 bothered them and it concerned them. But as you point out, they didn't say a word. Hence the title of your movie. And, and let's take it from there. Yeah, the film is a bit of a, a dark how-to guide or more of a description of a step-by-step process. If somebody wanted to uh, break down why these people were killed and why 100 million people were murdered in the 20th century, uh, then you watch this film and it, it will explain it to you that, that first you have to take control of speech then you have to dehumanize people that you disagree with so that it is okay to silence them by any means necessary. These are the steps of a totalitarian nation. And we saw this in in the 80s, uh, in the Reagan era, happening overseas. The way Reagan fixed this was with media, was with propaganda and ads and, and revealing the lie that was socialism. These people were not better off. They were not more prosperous. They were not more self-actualized. They were being starved and killed by the millions. And when he revealed this to the world, it no longer became 
uh, acceptable for a nation to be socialist. And he saved pretty much the entire world from a nuclear war, and he did that without even firing a shot. And so to circle this back to, to the film and what I'm trying to do with the film, I'm trying to save uh, America from communist invasion 2.0 by, by spreading this film around, by talking about free speech. Not just free speech, um, but but almost mandated speech. This is the interesting part about all of this, Nick Stumphauser, is that you know we, we had been told by the Obama administration uh, that if you see something, you should say something. Uh, if you see something that looks dangerous, you know, in a post-9-11 world, if you see something, you should say something and report it so that it gets checked out and maybe we can nip things in the bud before they get there. That's the mandatory kind of, you know, nature of all of this. We're, we're told to do this, yet we are destroyed uh, with allegations of racism or bigotry or whatever the case might be, anti, uh, you know, Islamophobia, I guess is a better way to say it. We're, we're accused of those things if we do what we were told to do. And that's why this is so important. Now, you're walking into a place, you know, with all due respect for the Buckeyes, and, uh, you know, we're all Buckeye fans around here, Ohio State football and basketball and, and so on and so forth. Ohio State is not exactly a bastion of free speech. You're walking into a place tonight, Nick, that is um, uh, that is going to be very resistant. Do you expect protesters, maybe not like Antifa, burning things down and smashing windows at the as they did at Berkeley, but Ohio State is um, is is just as liberal of a big college campus as there is in this country. So, how, how do you expect to to get your message out there tonight? Well, I've been working with uh, the, the great kids over at Turning Point USA and Young Americans for Freedom, and I don't expect any violence. I don't expect uh, any upheaval. Um, there might be people who disagree. I actually, when I tweeted out uh, about the film, I encouraged people who disagree to come. I'm going to have a Q&A at the, end of the, at the end of the film after I give a little speech, and I want to have that discussion. Um, no offense to the conservatives, but I would rather have more people in the audience who disagree with me than people who agree with me because I am trying to move the needle. And I also don't want to be wrong any longer than I have to be. So if somebody in the audience who disagrees with me can bring me closer to what is true and what is accurate about the world, I want to hear what they have to say. And that's really what this is all about. The film is not a right-wing or a left-wing film. The film is about conversation, about truth, about pursuing truth in conversation above cognitive bias and violence. Well, Nick, you're right. It's not about right wing or left wing, but it is about Muslim extremist terrorists. Uh, as you pointed out, the, the killers in San Bernardino were following the, 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 uh, the, uh, the lead of the ISIS leader. Um, and by, by that very nature, it's going to become political right wing because if you're, if you're anti-Muslim extremist, you're considered a conservative nut job and the left hates you because they think you're an Islamophobe. So it's going, you, you can, you can intend it to be just about speech all you want. Um, but, but you realize you're going to be branded as a right wing nut job, uh, who is an Islamophobe when you, when you go onto oh, a yeah. campus like this. Absolutely. And I, and I have been branded that way. I've been called alt-right, neo-Nazi, white supremacist, uh, homophobe, anything that you want to throw at me. That has already been stuck to me. But something that I've uh, noticed is that the people who are being labeled these horrific epithets uh, are people that I actually would like to be like. People like Andrew Breitbart, Sebastian Gorka, Dennis Prager, Ben Shapiro. So if those people are racists or, or if they're bigots, that's no longer an insult to me. 
You know, if they are if they are alt right neo Nazis, I'm sorry, your words no longer are insulting to me. They they don't have the weight of an insult. You have you have used them improperly enough that that, that you're complimenting me. I would like to be among those people who in 2019 are called these horrible names because those are the people that I respect. Well, Nick, that is exactly what I, what you should do, and that's and that's a, that's a great attitude. And I really I really salute you. It's not easy to go into those um, hostile territories, if you will, such as college campuses are today, and I mean almost all of them, particularly the public universities. They just really are uh, dangerous places to be. They are not free speech zones. They are safe space zones. Uh, they don't want to hear your um, you know your displeasure with the actions of uh, radical Islamic terrorists and how we should be all speaking out against them in order to stop them the next time. They don't want to hear that because uh, that's just not their, you know, what they've not, they, not what they've been indoctrinated to believe, I suppose. So I really salute you, and I give you all the credit in the world for taking this movie on the road to places like Ohio State. So, and then especially leading the discussion afterwards, I think that's really a great thing. Um, how can anybody else who isn't going to be in Columbus tonight? How can anybody see this movie? Is it available for sale anywhere? Is it able to be downloaded? Yes, yeah, it is on Vimeo on demand, so you can rent the film or buy it. At any given point, watch it on your TV or your laptop or phone. You go to howtokill14people.com. That's the number one four. Uh, howtokill14people.com. I promise you won't end up on an FBI watch list if you type that in your computer. Uh, but that's how they can go watch the film, and they can also see the tour that I'm going on. So after Ohio State, I'll be at Michigan State, and then I'll be at University of Michigan, and so on and so forth. So I am making my way through. I have my foot in the door in these places, and uh, so they can pick it up uh, for a live screening and a presentation in whatever city is most convenient for them. Well, I think that's fantastic, and I'll tell people again, I'm looking at it right now, howtokill14people.com, howtokill14people.com, which is only part of the title. Uh, the last part is perhaps more important, without saying a word. If you don't say a word, this is the kind of thing that can happen. It's really a, a moving uh, uh, a movie, pardon that, uh, and it's uh, and it's extremely important to learn from the mistakes of the past so that they are not repeated and that we do have the freedom of speech and we can get out there and say what needs to be said when we see things that are dangerous and threatening. Uh, so that we can stop this kind of thing from happening again. Uh, Nick Stumphauser, once again, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on to do this, uh, to tell us about it. Good luck in uh, Columbus tonight, and I hope this is uh, uh, just another stop on uh, on a long journey to a lot of places to open a lot more eyes. I'm very grateful for your time, Bob. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Nick. All right, Nick Stumphauser. That's great to see, by the way. I mentioned he's young. He's a, he's a young filmmaker. Uh, this is, you know, young millennial minds, Generally, our leftists, you know, in, in, in indoctrination, and the more we have people like this who are willing to speak out, even if he's not trying to be quote unquote conservative or right wing or whatever, he is, um, obviously taking the stand that many of us share, which is security first. If you're not sure about something, report it. Uh, it doesn't make you an Islamophobe. It doesn't make you a hater, bigot, racist, or anything of that nature. But we have to make sure that things that happen, uh, like what happened in San Bernardino, do not happen again. All right, it's 1051. I see people on hold. I'm coming right back to you after traffic on AM 1420, The Answer. Station. All right, 1054 now, final segment of the Bob France Authority for this Thursday morning. Let's squeeze a couple of calls in. Frank in Brook Park has been waiting patiently for a bit now. Frank, thank you for that patience. Uh-oh, I cannot seem to punch him up for some reason here. Let me see if I can uh, 
uh, reestablish that connection here. And there's the button. Frank, are you there, my man? Thank you. Uh, yes, sir. I think it was Tuesday you referred to a Catholic school sending students to the pro-abortion women's march this Saturday. Yes. Like, you know, what is the school's name? Well, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do that. Um, uh, and, and by the way, I'm not 100 percent sure they're doing it this year. I know it's what they did last year. Okay. Much to my surprise okay. and shock, they did it last year. Um, it was an all girls school, or it is an all girls school, and it's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why my daughter no longer attends that all girls school. Uh, yes. Because uh, rather than going down to the pro life march, which is what a Catholic school should do, since Catholic doctrine teaches that life begins at conception, and that murder is wrong. Uh, they actually had a busload of students go down uh, that they supported uh, the day after for the Women's March and the pro-abortionists uh, 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 march. So uh, I'll just tell you that it's an all-girls school, and I don't need to give names out. It's just what it is, and uh, and it's uh, something that uh, people can, you know, people people can check into on their own if they wish. I'm sorry to hear that because that is certainly not Catholic, and that school should not have the name Catholic on it. I think I know which one it is. Well, you know, Frank, anyway. I'll be honest with you. There, there are a number of Catholic schools. To be a hundred percent honest with you, that are that have yep. that have strayed far from Catholic theology and Catholic doctrine. Um, yep. You know, and, and there are a lot of the. And, and again, I'm not going to name names, although some several of them have been in the news for this. Several of them have been in the news for this. Um, well, but again, I, I feel no need to. Yeah, I feel no need to. You know, to. Um, to throw more uh, uh, gasoline on this fire for them, but but some of them have been in the news, so they are public. I, it's just I don't feel like it's my place. My kids go to a Catholic school that I am proud of, that I believe in. They're the ones who sponsored my two children, my senior and my sophomore, are both going to be on a bus tonight. They're going to ride six I hours. They're, they're going to ride six hours down to Washington, D.C. to march in the pro-life march tomorrow, along with about uh, five dozen of their, their classmates, I think. And I'm proud of that. So I don't want to turn this into uh, my school against other schools, but that's what Catholic doct- doctrine requires of all of them. And sadly, there are a lot of them who are just not preaching and teaching Catholic doctrine anymore, Frank. I understand you literally Catholic is one of the best ones. That's, 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 you're correct. And that's where my children go. I'm proud. uh, I'm a proud alum of that school. My wife is an alum of that school. My children are both at this school now, and they will both be marching for life with the other students from Elyria Catholic tomorrow. And I'm very happy to say that. I'm sorry, not, I can't hear the name. I'd like to tell the bishop about this because they should be disenfranchised out of the Catholic Church. Well, I'll tell you what. You. Let me put let me put you on hold. Let me put you on hold, and uh, uh, Jim uh, Jim, our producer, can uh, can pick up the phone and tell you what the name of that school was. Like I said, it's I, I just don't feel the need to uh, start an on air uh, flame war with them, so uh, I won't do that. But uh, they, he can tell you that privately. While I talk to Navy man Norm in Strongsville, hey Norm, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Uh, two things, uh, quickly on your 10:30 news. The first item was freshman Congressman Ocasio educates congressmen on the hill how to use social media how in the hell is that news bob i don't understand <laughs> you know that was the very well, first thing I first of all she's news. news you know norm she's news that's the oh. thing she has become by her own creation she has become the new face and the new star of the Democrat Party. There's a battle in the Democrat Party between the new guard, represented by her, and the old guard. You saw what happened with uh, with uh, um, Joe, uh, Lieberman. Joe, Joe Lieberman, exactly, just uh, a few oh, days her, ago. And her, 
and her very intelligent response, who, who, who dis? Yeah, no, no, new party, who dis? In other words, there's no room in our party for you old guys anymore. And so this news story today is just about, I'm going to teach these old fogies how to use new school Twitter to be, uh, be woke like me. I mean, it's, it's weird how she's become the, the, the face of that party. Real quick, what, what do you, what do you uh, think Trump's response should be to Pelosi and the State of the Union? Well, I, I think by by uh, uh, the the law and the Constitution, he has to be invited by her. Um, and if she says you're not invited or she disinvites him, I don't think he can, he can go. What I think he should do is pick up the phone and dial Mitch McConnell and say, Mitch, feel like inviting me to speak to the Senate? I'll go on the Senate floor and do this thing, and uh, and and it'll every every station will still carry it. So the president's got to get in front of the people. That's what Pelosi is desperate to avoid, and that's what his response should be. Too bad I'm going to be there. That's all the time we've got. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.